0: Hi, this is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers, and I'm very glad to be with you today. This is a relatively new season. It's only November, and our seasons start from September and go through May, and then we take the summer off. We spend a lot of time in the next weeks talking about what's whirling around us, Advent, the waiting time for the birth Advent, Christmas, the glamour and the glitz that the world tells us Christmas is about. Food, Thanksgiving, and communion. And so we're delighted to spend these last few weeks talking about the gracious woman and about following through with this notion that our theme for the year is about friendships. Friendship with God, friendship with others, ways to engage with friends, and today I want to talk to you about an idea that I think is relevant, and that friends can be like friends of my right hand. That's what I've called this show, friends of my right hand. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I welcome everything that comes to me today, because I know it is for my healing. I welcome all thoughts, feelings, emotions, persons, situations, and conditions. I let go of my desire for power and control. I let go of my desire for affection, esteem, approval, and pleasure. I let go of my desire or give my consent for survival and security. I let go of my desire to change any situation, condition, person or myself. I'm open to the love and presence of God and God's actions within. Amen. I'm so thankful for that welcoming prayer. You can find it on our website if you want a copy of it and share it with your family and friends. So what is a friend of my right hand? Madeline Lingle is the one who coined that phrase. And I have a friend of my right hand. Do you She is one of a handful of people in my lifetime. We are bundled together, as Tish Harrison might say. Bundled together. I am moving away from the house that is around the corner from my friend of my right hand. And we've been talking about moving away for several years. And my friend and I have been grieving. We've been grieving, and we haven't even moved yet. Because right now I can put on my robe and walk over there and we can lay on her bed or she can come over to my house and we can lay on my bed. In the days when our husbands both worked and they were gone and we could have the whole house to ourselves, we now both have husbands who are retired, so we're more relegated to a smaller space. I remember her husband coming in one time and I was on his side of their bed. He said, hey, what are you doing here? We laughed and giggled, and I got up quickly and laughed. <laughs> she is a friend who um, prays silently with me and for me, and we are in agreement about many things. Tish Harrison also says that Christian friends friendships are a call and a response. I love that concept. And that's what I wanted to talk to you about, a call and a response. So in my treasured friendship, there's a call and a response. We tell each other over and over who we are in Him. We have become the good news to each other. In the pace of life that we live in the 21st century, there literally is a call and a response, a text and a response, a telephone call is much less welcome. Than an email or a text is. It's still a call out, it's a response back. Or tag, you're in. Have you said that to someone after you've called back and forth and haven't reached each other? But unlike these kinds of calls, we're just glad to leave a message. Have you ever had a call that you, oh, they didn't answer the phone. Oh, I put my, you know, I punched my ticket. And they know I'm thinking about them, they know I've called, but I didn't really want to talk. Well, the kinds of messages my treasured friends and I have, my friend, my friend of my right hand, are never that way. Never. I never feel like, oh no, I've got to call her. Or she has to call me. Or she hasn't called me. Or why not? Because if she hasn't, I know there's something going on. And I know that I'll know what it is when, it, when I know. When I don't need to know. Close friends, besties, are willing to get in the mess with me. They are in the messy middle of life. And you've heard me say that if you've been around homemakers at all. The messy middle often lasts much longer than the start and the finish. <laughs> this this r- friend of my right hand that I'm speaking, we are friends of epicac history. When one of us took the wrong set of pills in the morning, and we're terrified that all the effects would happen, and we got the epic and we dabbed it all up. <laughs> we can watch up close and personal, and if we travel along, we can watch the process in a person's life, because it is irrefutable. Jesus, I see her. I see these close friends of mine, this friend of my right hand, learning his ways and trusting him. I also see her doing the two-step which I've mentioned recently. This one friend that I'm talking about today, let let me pause for a minute. Let me just say this, that when I was a young woman, the psychological statistics of friendships was that you could have in your lifetime six to eight close intimate friends. That was all anyone was capable of because of the way we saw each other, the time we invested, the ways we talked. Now... You'd think there would be more with all this increased technology, but instead the statisticians are telling us that you have less likelihood of six, less likelihood of four, less likelihood of two. That if you're very blessed, you might have one in your lifetime. When I think about that in my very own life, which is older as you know, I I feel stripped bare. I feel like the best parts of me would have been stripped off. The very best parts of me are the things that these friends, these right-hand friends, these friends of my right hand gave me, showed me, loved me through, prayed me through. I love that I'm close enough to have watched her over the last 40-plus years Step one, love God more and what she did to love God more. And step two, what she did to love others. I love that we have such history. Paul's language of Galatians 4, the serapian's famous quote, he can no longer have God for his father who has not the church or community for his mother. Oh, I believe that. I believe if God is your Father, then you have a community. Because God is community. He teaches us communion. It's a great picture of what he shows us. My friend and I are communion. We know Christ on our own, but not like we grow in Christ with each other. One of the greatest things she says to me, one of the greatest things she started saying to me some time ago, and it's still the greatest thing she says to me. It's not, I love you. It's not, I'm with you. It's not, n- none of that. It's not, I'll bring dinner. It's none of that. You know what the greatest thing she says to me? She says, I can give you advice. Now, she loves to give advice, don't you? I love to give advice. She was the first person who said this though to me. And it's allowed me to say to her, I can give you advice and know that you will take it to God and do the right thing. That is like holy oil poured all over my body. My relationship with her is not only about us, it's about him. It's about the church. We are in this together. <laughs> I can remember when I couldn't call her. I can remember calling her at 8.45 and she said, would you stop calling me so early? now i can find her on her patio at 5:30 in the morning i watch that process she forgets i don't forget because i think it's so wonderful to watch the reason we so know, we know so much about jesus is because of his friends they handed down the stories and actions and deeds and patterns of his living this happens in real time and in corinthians paul says 1 corinthians chapter 11 I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions just as I handed them on to you. And that's what friendship does. It, it commends Jesus to each other and traditions and ways that we go about growing in him. We are a profound mix together. There is really no privacy or or words that we've sworn in affection to each other or scripture of life, we just watch out for the Mm -hmm. phrases that say we don't need the church because we do need the church. I am the church. You are the church. Mm. Not the best part of the church on a lot of days. I am not the best part of the church, but I am the church. We need the church. We are hearing much more in this culture that we don't need the church. I heard... A man say that he was a preacher, but he didn't go to church. Now now he might mean he might not go to the physical building on the corner of, but you cannot say you don't need the church because what you're saying is you don't need people. And this deconstruction movement, I heard someone say, and I really value the deconstruction movement, I think it is deconstructing for its purpose of reconstructing. And I think there are always things in me that need to be deconstructed so I can be reconstructed because I'm the church. But I heard one of them say, I've graduated from the church. And I thought, no, no, no. No, no, no. You can never graduate from the church. Mm. Never. Not just me. It's not just me and God, yes, at the core, but also me forming me with others, serving others, being served, sharing burdens, individuality, individualism which has become so important in our culture. My needs my personality my, my, my the girlfriends have been talking about their personalities and the way they talk about these personalities is how can I temper my personality so that you know how much I love you and vice versa we take these profiles personality profiles spiritual gifts and what do we do? What do we do with them? Are they for our use? Are they for our first consumption? They are not. They are for the consumption of the church. You do not, You do matter. Don't you misunderstand me. Don't you leave here and say, Otto is going around saying I'm not important. Because you are. You're the church. If you have said yes to making God, the one true living God, the Lord of your life, the savior of your life, then you matter. You matter. My grandson recently said to me, "Nans, you're four generations, no, Nans, you're four gens behind. I thought to myself, what's a gen? What four gens? What am I? I don't like being behind, be behind, but he gave me a hint and saved me from the embarrassment of saying, Samuel, what's a gen? He held up the telephone. I have. His is four gens newer. (laughs) I thought he is so right. I'm four gens behind, or am I four gens ahead? Mm. Psalm 145 says, Let one generation declare to the next generation the praises and answers to prayer of God. I'm in that gen. I'm here to tell you that God has taken care of us. I'm here to tell you that mentoring and spiritual direction and other spiritual practices are important. I'm here to tell you that the church is you and that the scripture is full of one another's. I'm here to tell you, yes, you should get along with God, but you should also get along with me. Jesus came in human form. He left and sent his spirit so he could incarnate himself into me. Our stories are connected to the saints who've gone before us. A friend of mine wrote a book years ago on friendships, Friends of the Heart. It's, it's kind of soft on theology, but quite friendly. But the most important part of that book to me I don't have any. You have to find them on used bookstores. Don't, Don't write us and ask for them. We don't have any. But I think the best part of that, that wasn't said very nicely, please don't write us and ask for that book. The best part of that was the research. And the research told us the most bizarre reasons why friends separated from one another. They I didn't call her, she didn't call me, and then a month went by, and then three months went by, and then I thought, well, I shouldn't call her, she shouldn't call me, and I didn't know what to do first, and so we're not friends anymore. I, when I paused to, to get ready to talk to you about this today, I made a list of the six to eight women who I mentioned earlier in my life. I don't know what I would be like without them. I could read their names to you. I have them typed right here. Yet we move through it, and we act like these things do not matter. We say we're not the church, and we don't need the church, and we don't need communion, and we don't need each other. And God tells us different. Listen, girls, I've been wounded by friends. I have a Dear John letter that if I read it on the air, you would, you would cringe for my soul and what I felt when I read it but I am the church I can't see they are the church and I'm not we are not first a set of individuals think about what it would be like to have paul and peter at the same table for dinner ouch paul had vocally opposed publicly opposed peter paul complained in that letter of timothy about those who had left him they fought over who was going to sit next to jesus and be closest to him we we can be an untidy mess and we can be a broken mess. My husband and I began a new church attendance a few years ago now. And we sat behind an older couple. Their names are Bob and Trudy. And we didn't say much to them in the first weeks, but we kind of sat in the same place. Then one day they turned around and they said they were Bob and Trudy. They were in their 90s. They traveled 40 minutes each way to come to church. They shook our hands and they smiled and then they told us their story, and then they wanted to know a little about our story, and they told us they were part of the founding members of this church. And then, a few months ago, their 55-year-old son died. Their grief was palpable. I could see it in their faces, and I thought, we are the church. They have lost something that's important to them. Their grief was great. I don't know them well. I know their names. I know where they live. I know these facts about them. Revelation 7, 9 says, The church is huge. It reminds us of how big it is that it is worldwide, every tribe and every nation. We are talking about friendship this season and friendship with God and friendship with each other. And we will soon talk about food, And food in each other, and communion, and bread, and wine, and bread, and wine, and life, and communion with each other. Friend of my right hand, are you one? Do you have one? Are you a woman who has acknowledged that there's a God in the universe who wants to be your friend, your savior? And if you've never done this, this is a great time to pause long enough to say, I know that I am a human and you are the one true living God who created me. And I want to take the two-step with Donna Otto. I want to love God and love others. Thanks for joining us. It is always my delight to be with you. I'm Donna Otto and this is Modern Homemakers. Remember the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it an uncommon day of looking at your friend as the friend of my right hand.